know, I really, really, really didn't want to do this podcast today. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm really, really tired. If you listen to this as I post this on a Wednesday, admittedly later than six, but them's the breaks, uh, you'll probably know why I'm tired. And if it's not obvious, because it probably isn't unless you've seen the picture of this podcast, I'm black. And I'm tired. So, the month of May wasn't exactly pleasant. Um, I think two episodes ago, maybe three. Uh, it was the first year death anniversary of uh, my mother taking her life um, in the States and my having to go do the crusade to go over and uh, sort out her affairs, deal with family difficulties and essentially bring her body back to the family burial space in Kenya on a family farm. Yes, we have our own private cemetery. Um, so dealing through that, you know, and dealing with the pandemic and, and all that fun stuff, we're now hit with, you know, another whammy, um, whether you're watching this now or watching, listening, I'm not filming this one today. I really just, I don't want to do any of this, but if I don't do it now, then in a week's time, who knows what will happen? Maybe we'll be invaded by aliens in seven days time. Like I'm not ruling it out. Is anyone else ruling out anything now? Really? Um, but yes, to, to honor what's going on now, I've, I felt it's essential not to be quiet. It's essential to have the conversations with as many people as possible and to encourage more people to join in the conversation, especially when they probably feel scared confused, uh, angry, um, lost, you know, all of that plus more, uh, from both sides. And without kind of jumping the gun a little bit, I got some kind of order in my head, but we'll see how long that lasts. Um, I feel it's important to honor what's going on because we have an opportunity to really, really have deep conversations pull up ideas, pull up frustrations that have been in existence for so long and have been there as clear as day, but for whatever reason, be it systemic racism, um, institutionalized racism, classism, whatever, you know, there's so many isms that are all kind of feeding into each other and growing out of each other. Um, Now's a time to really, really kind of look at how we can change all of that. So, um, a man, a black man, a black American, African American man, George Floyd, uh, lost his life under the knee of a, what can only be described as a bad cop, um, and aided by his peers. Um, two others were also on George whilst he was on his front putting their knees into his body or besides his body, restricting his movements whilst the main police officer applied a blood choke to George Floyd's neck. Uh, 
Um, and his other officer, an Asian gentleman, decided that because he could say, I can't breathe, he's fine. Now, I've mentioned this a few times, and I'm going to keep on mentioning it again. I don't care. Uh, I have done martial arts my entire life, and I've worked as a bouncer for a good 12, 13 years. And in that time, I was fortunate enough to work with an amazing team and be led by a gentleman who had been in, in the army um, for uh, for a very long time, the Special Forces, and uh, has an extensive 30-year background in various forms of martial arts, self-defense, uh, close quarter combat when it comes to military um, exercises. And add to that, um, in recent years, I've, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I would happily train up to six times a week. And the only reason I'm mentioning all of this is because when you experience someone crushing your body, whilst your adrenaline is going through the roof, you're panicking and you don't know how to bring your heart rate down, how to breathe uh, in, in a, I suppose, professional manner. Or any of that, when you see a blood choke being applied in such a way that you A, know is extremely painful, when you're lying on your front and someone's applying pressure through your neck, and it's not meant to bend that way, by the way, you know that's not comfortable. You know that there's all sorts of nerves being compromised. There's pain going into your scalp. There's pain shooting down your arms. There could be pain shooting down to your toes because that's such a crucial part of your spine and such a crucial part of your your nerve system, right, going through your spine. So you have that. Then you have a major artery on that side as well. So over time, you know, eight, eight minutes and 47 seconds, I believe, it might be longer. Um, you're having blood uh, restricted from your brain. Your brain is essentially being cut off uh, from the rest of your body. So your brain cells start to die. And eight minutes with that happening, there's a lot of damage happening. And when we do jujitsu, when we do chokes, we say if you haven't got the choke, A, if you haven't got the choke on properly, um, and you count to six, then you need to let go and do something else because you haven't applied it properly. B, if you know you've got the choke on properly and you count to six and the person hasn't tapped, let go because that person is sleeping. <laughs> right? So coming from an educated background and watching what was essentially a snuff film, like, you know, I, I take no pleasure in essentially watching a person die, like watching the life be drained out of a person is such a, it's such a surreal experience that none of us should ever, ever, ever have to witness. And yet you know, science fiction in, in the 80s has kind of brought all of this around. And, and now it's it's like the revolution won't be televised, but it'll be filmed on camera phones, you know, and essentially televised. Um, whether this is a revolution or not is, is neither here nor there. But the fact remains that poignant moments in history are being shown through live streaming platforms. They're being filmed and uploaded from camera phones and, you know, big brother media is catching up to the people generated media. Um, but that's, that's a whole other thing. So uh, 
essentially, you know, th- this police officer was unbalanced and using and, and balancing his entire weight through this knee through George Floyd's neck, um, guaranteeing, you know, that, okay, he can't move, great, but, like, it's a compliance hold, but, like, it's it's a pain hold, and the dude was begging, begging just to be let, like, not to be let go, but just, you know, he can't breathe, I can't breathe, um, asking for some water, and he was foaming at the mouth as well, and then knowing that he was going to die. How, how... <sighs> Imagine being in a point, in a position, where you know you're going to die, but you don't want to die. And you're dying at the hand of someone else, who maybe have you had past, you know, altercations with, but that doesn't matter right now. You know, right now you're a civilian, this is a police officer not doing his job. It's crazy. And... The main thing I'm trying to get out of this whilst, you know, trying to paint a picture for you, for those of you who have refused to watch the film, the video and, and I completely understand and maybe you've seen pictures and the pictures actually upset me more because the different types of pictures being shared, you can tell when he's alive and you can tell when he's dead if you know what facial uh, features to look for. And his face was just completely just just nothing. Like even when you're passed out or something, you still have some tension in your face and there was nothing there. So that actually makes me more uncomfortable sharing pictures of a dead man. Um, But what I'm trying to get at with this is if someone is on their front and their hands are uh, tied up behind them in a hog tie or whatever you want to call it, there is a high risk or a higher risk, I'm going to say high risk, for what's called positional or postural asphyxia. Um, This means that the diaphragm is essentially being um, restricted by your chest cavity and gravity pushing down on it. So you can expel air, yes, but you cannot inhale air. You cannot replace the air that's being um, expelled. So for the Asian um, police officer to say, he's speaking, he's speaking, he's okay, Yes, he can maybe say, I can't breathe a few times if you've got a big old lung full of air. And maybe he can fight a few breaths back, but then at a certain point, that's going to be game over. And then he's suffocated, essentially. And that's what's happened. Um, and that's not okay. So, you know, spending 10 minutes kind of pulling that out, I, I felt is necessary. Um, just because when I've worked uh, in nightclubs and venues in the past, uh, as and when people are, you know, breaking out and fighting and trying to beat seven shades of shit out of each other, we have to go in and restrain people. And we are taught very, very specific restraining methodologies. We are taught to keep our shit together. Even if you're getting hit, like I got involved in a fight once and I got punched in the face by a guy. I don't, I, I, I hope he didn't mean it. Um, but I was still restraining someone else and my lip got busted open and I was just spill, spilling claret all over the place. And I could have easily have let go of this guy and gone and found that motherfucker and gone and like split his head open. But that's not me for one. And for two, that's not what you do. Cause if you're with a partner, you stay with that partner 
and you get rid of people, you pick them out of the fight so that the fight dissipates and you can find out what's going on and do the um, the steps that's necessary. But even so, with your restraining styles, like, you know, if we didn't know what to do, we could just like hug the dude and just like put him, pull him to the ground and just like sat on him, right? Which is, uh, I think, what happened uh, in the case of a positional asphyxia death that happened in a nightclub in the UK. I can't really remember the details. It's not something I keep on top of mind. Um, but this gentleman was bent over, was bent forwards, and he died. Uh, and the bouncer got charged, which is totally the right thing to do. Charging convicted. I need to need to point that out because this is also relevant to what's happening now. So that happened last week. And um, I, uh, for whatever reason, I, I usually tend to not get involved in the kind of glutteral, the 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 dirty, I don't want to say dirty, but the the raw. There you go. That's the word I want. I don't usually get involved in a deeply raw emotional nucleus of um any kind of injustices because I don't understand what's going on. I wouldn't want to start shouting things without knowing what's going on, knowing every single angle and, and aspect of it. And essentially for the most part, the people that do need to have a voice and everything are doing what they need to do. Um, now it's a little bit different, and um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought because I can hear everything in the background, and I want to apologize for all the background noise. I've got the windows open because it's a little bit warm in here. Um, so a friend uh, that has been, we've been checking in on each other during this pandemic thing because we both live on our own. Um, he asked me, hey, did you hear about the I can't breathe thing? And I was just like, what, Eric Garner? Is it an anniversary? You know, I, I, I had no idea. And um, I just kind of shrugged it off. And towards the end of the conversation, he's like, no, 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 I'm pretty sure this happened last night. And, you know, quick look on the phone. I see this whole thing happen and a massive, like, not in my stomach kind of just went woof. and I was like oh shit and that was a, a bit of a insight into my own um dismissal of the injustices that black people are facing on a minute by minute basis in various parts of the world so that was guilt you know that was pure unadulterated guilt and after that you know I got stuck in and, and started reading what was going on seeing what was happening like finding out ways to help and you know there's there's funding and everything happening but what I kind of fell back to which is something that I've I've had an opinion about for a very very long time is um with the police system especially in America um and I said this to a friend uh, on his post a couple of days ago is America's essentially like 50 small countries under one president, right? So you've got your 50 states who all have their independent police forces. Excuse me. And then with those 50 states, you have your counties. Um, so then you have your county police force. So however many counties there are per state, you know, you multiply that and you've got, you've, you've essentially got police confetti across America and there is no real overt nationalized standardized set of um, practices or a actual leading very uh, vocal national police 
entity or force that represents, you know, the the entire uh, blue team across all 50 states. So when it comes to protecting and serving, if you can pass a couple of tests and, you know, go through the training and everything, which again, uh, comes under fire when I talk to serving and, and past serving military personnel in the U S and in the UK, there's a lot of things that left to, left to be desired, uh, with the U S training. And my personal reservation is with someone who has to make split second decisions and their main focus is to protect and serve is, are they psychologically sound to be put in a position like that? I'd imagine they probably get some kind of basic psych testing, but in, in heightened situations when your heart rate is, you know, 180, 190 plus, and you're, you've got a freaking gun, like you can end someone's life and that shouldn't be taken lightly. And, you know, the ability to, to calculate uh, danger, compassion, follow-ups, and all that kind of jazz. Whilst it is asking for a lot, I think it's very, very necessary, especially for police officers. Um, if personnel in the military, you know, are trained and trained and trained and trained and put under duress and just trained to the point that they, for better or worse, become machines who will follow orders and will do as told, and for the most part, will not go out of line. Um, I feel the same should happen to police, but then it being, it brings in that, that question of, um, but then do you want to militarize police? No, not really. Uh, cause the bad eggs turn into megalomaniacs and that's a whole other problem, uh, that you don't want to deal with. So my idea of, of police officers needing to be psych tested is, you know, it, it's a start of a conversation. I'd love to, to talk to various people about, I don't know, how that helps, you know, maybe just thinking ideas kind of is the way forwards. Um, because looking at just racism, just systemic racism, that's a huge, huge thing that is going to take a while, um, to chip away at. It's already being chipped away at, granted not fast enough, but I feel fixing the police state is something that's at least very, very tangible. Um, and something that we should, we, we could address now. And thankfully, um, I, I'm not going mad because uh, Barack Obama actually posted on uh, Medium. He's He's got a, you know his, his little space on Medium where he writes and stuff. And he actually articulated the very, very problem that I have a concern about. Uh, not the psych testing, obviously, but the, the, the hierarchical... Um, Dis disparities. I want to say disparity. It might be the wrong word, but there's uh, imbalance. Is a simpler word that kind of gets the the idea across. There's a hierarchical imbalance in police structure on a localized level, and he kind of goes into insight on this article, which I'll link in the in the show notes in the very messy show notes um, about how it's actually important for the community to really get involved and really become vocal on who you want to represent you, who you want to be like chief officer, who you want to be, you know, in, in the legislative department that deals with reports against uh, misconduct. You know, because this is the main thing. This this uh, murderer, this murderous police officer, um, had I think seventeen, eighteen uh, 
not convictions, but, you know, reports of misconduct against him. And he was still out there with his gun and badge, you know, being a police officer. And this is what happens when bad eggs <laughs> um, are left to keep on stinking up an entire freaking casserole. It's it's not okay. <sighs> so that side of things, um, I can't. I don't really want to go any any further into it because I I don't have the information. I don't have the um, the data to discuss anything because you know I'm I'm a I'm a Kenyan that lives in London with a Dutch passport with a European passing name, All right? European ish. I mean, Shiggy's not here nor there. Shiggy actually sounds Chinese more than anything else. But <laughs> um, I, I, you know, as much as I want to say that I've been subjected to uh, what a lot of people of color have, I'm going to put my hand up and say I haven't, you know, I mean, there have been slights, but nothing as, as big as a lot of other people of color have, have had to deal with. Um, and I jokingly say this, and I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud, but I feel it's necessary that I see and accept that I have a form of white privilege. Um, just my background, I didn't ask for the background. I didn't ask for the way I was brought into the world. I didn't ask for everything that I got. I'm thankful for every single thing that I've I've been afforded. Um, but equally, it makes me feel... Uh, I suppose it makes me feel useless in a sense that I, I can relate, but only on a, a superficial level with the injustices going on. But even as, as time goes by, um, my computer has decided to close the screen. I've been talking for so long. It's like, hey, shut up. Um, I'll take a pause in a minute, actually. Even as time's gone by, um, I've lost my train of thought now. I really want to help and do more, but I feel having a view from outside, having a yeah, having a view from outside into the injustices that I I have experienced a superficial version of, I feel I can help bring more people from the outside into the conversation through my avenue of basically who I am. Um and encourage those uncomfortable conversations with people who maybe know other people who need to kind of jump into this and, and, and afford change. Um, and I think that's, that's the way I can help. And it's the way I have been helping, um, just being there to help, uh, increase the conversation, um, and avoid just angry shouting. Cause I know how it feels when I've been angrily shouted at, uh, by anybody. I don't like it. I feel it's very unnecessary. I feel it's a very primal reaction um, that I usually just let people get out of their system and then try and engage in a conversation. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, if if you're not of uh, that kind of, um, if you can't really hold the capacity of letting someone shout at you, waiting for them to shut the fuck up and then actually have a decent conversation, then you just kind of err on the side of, I'm just not going to fucking engage in any of it. Uh, and that's sad. 
I think more people need to be comfortable with discourse and the ability to engage in dialogue. Whilst it's difficult, whilst wrong things will be said, whilst ideas will not be communicated effectively, but ultimately there's still a conversation being had. And once all the confusion and mistakes get ironed out, there is actually a way going forwards. Yeah. So, yeah, conversations going forward are really, really important. And um, i got to say it's quite exhausting trying to engage in conversations with people who are outside of your uh, confirmation bias. And I try and, and encourage people of opposing opinions to be in my circle so that we can have discussions. Um, and I, I do try to have conversations without the view of winning. Um, and I learned that from, from years of <laughs> psychotherapy, uh, and, and my psychotherapist eventually just basically becoming a friend and us talking about behavioral psychology, um, methods and situations and all that kind of jazz. And, um, so yeah, I, I try to have conversations and I think, if you want to try and understand more, you should not be afraid to ask questions and you should not be afraid to make statements either. Um, because with a statement, it's quite brave that you put your neck out online. Essentially, you know, you're putting your head out and exposing your neck for people to take a swipe at. And doing that, brings you into the conversation, which is really important, and hopefully exposes you to well-meaning people who are capable of articulating the whys around the yes or no of your statement so that you can understand better. And as a result of your understanding better, you can hopefully maybe infiltrate that understanding into your own little confirmation bubble um, of like-minded people. And, you know, an, an idea, a good idea is like a disease. It spreads very, very quickly, uh, which is the example of, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, blackout Tuesday, hashtag, uh, the black square on social media was a well-meaning idea. Um, and I shared it blindly because, uh, institutions that I follow and expect to have better critical thinking capacities than me, uh, said, you know, and, and for music and solidarity, da, 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 da. And yes, you know, music really does owe a lot to black people <laughs> in America, at least. Um, and I thought this was a good idea. And, um, I did initially use the black lives matters tag and then realized how horrendously wrong that was because it then flooded out the Black Lives Matter tag. And people who are on the ground in the US really, really do need, you know, to have uh, that hashtag to be able to communicate 
ideas and and share you know people to follow books to read all this kind of jazz because whilst in one breath in one breath a lot of uh, people of color are like we don't need to educate you you need to do it yourself you need to go you know search and research which is true um by the other breath people like myself are you know having shareable content to give to people who don't understand and want to know better, myself included, um, we really need to have access to that. But yesterday, the BLM tag was flooded with black squares with no information. Um, if you look at it in one way, it kind of feels like white oppression doing its thing very, very well and, and silencing people of color. And some people did take it that way. But ultimately, it was an oversight. It was a a poor choice of uh, slacktivism. <laughs> it was a poor choice of slacktivism uh, that that isn't really biting anyone in the bum just yet. It's uh, for the most part. It's it's eh, it's the thing that happened, and just as it comes, hopefully it will go and more pressing relevant uh content will will come back to the top uh recent and, and top squares on instagram for example and twitter and, and what have you so yeah conversing with people i think you should definitely do it uh if you feel scared or terrified of saying the wrong thing just say stuff say stuff and fuck up like when you were a child you just kind of figured out how to walk and probably fell on your face a gazillion times. You maybe nutted a table and broke it in half. You know, you maybe ended up French kissing your TV because you tripped over your own feet because you only just discovered what they were. You know, there's going to be a lot of stumbling and fear of stumbling, fear of messing up is fear of progress because none of this is perfect. None of this is beautiful. There's no right way or wrong way. Um, if you choose silence, you're making a choice as well. And unfortunately, it's a choice of propagating the problem, um, which is actually okay. You know, I'm being a bit harsh, but like, if you choose not to say anything, then watch and listen. All right. Not everyone has to say stuff. Let me, let me, let me reframe this and, you know, stop being angry. Let me do what I'm, let me do what I'm good at. <laughs> I'm better at writing this. When I try and articulate this kind of stuff in words, it always gets twisted. So bear with me. If you can't say anything, if you can't contribute in a verbal capacity, be it writing or speaking, then listen and read. Yes. Listen and read, um, from people who know, what you need to listen and read. You know, there will be activists, there will be people who are floating to the top. I highly recommend uh, going and finding Obama, Obama's, uh, Barack Obama's uh, post on Medium on how to kind of use the situation uh, and use its momentum for, for positive change, essentially. Uh, on his website, there are various other websites that he has. He has basically a whole rabbit hole um, of really good stuff, you know, funds, uh, information, um, organizations, communities, all this kind of stuff. If you're in the U.S., you should definitely um, just go down the Barack Obama rabbit hole because Trump 
is a hot mess. <laughs> Trump is being a I I don't even know what he's doing. Like I'm I'm not going to engage in that whole thing. I I have seen some shit now. Um and I I really am not uh engaging or even accepting that man's narrative because that man really just pisses me off. Um but I kind of had to stay on on the ground with it because my younger half brother still lives in Florida. He's a mixed boy, um, and I I fear for him. But that's another story for another day. I have rabbited on for way too long, and I appreciate the tone of this one uh, isn't as chirpy or as gung ho or as you know forward thinking as any of my other episodes. Um, but like I said at the beginning, I I really didn't want to actually do this podcast, but I actually feel better for it. And we all know the reason I do this podcast is for my own form of therapy. It's cheap therapy. <laughs> but also, uh, I always think that if 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 you have ideas, and if you think maybe they'll help someone, just think a little bit differently, or at least maybe proactively question things and get some answers or more questions. Then you know you've you've done your bit. You've done your bit for the day. So I think I've done the, done my bit for today. And for some reason my throat is seven shades messed up. I haven't really spoken to anyone over the last, this entire pandemic. I only speak to a choice few people. Um, although saying that I have spoken to three people today, so that's probably why my voice is so hoarse, but I'm also tired. I am emotionally exhausted and I have no more spoons left. This was my last spoon today. So be thankful you ungrates. Nah, there's not going to be a close for this one. We're just going to lock it out right here. So thank you for listening as ever. I really, really appreciate you. If you're on Apple Podcasts, listen to this. If you're on Spotify, do the usual. Um, could you give it a like? Let's let's try doing that kind of stuff. I realize at the end of <laughs> a George Floyd podcast, me begging for likes is probably the worst thing ever, but like, I, I don't fucking care. It's my podcast. Um, I'm doing this for myself, ultimately, but I do want to know that this at least helps somebody, you know, so uh, whenever you hear this, whenever you find this, if you get to this point, um, you know, do whatever, the usual, like, subscribe, blah, 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 things, or just send me a message, reach out. I love talking to people, even though I'm, you know, an extroverted introvert, and I'd much rather sit at home and stuff marshmallows in my face. Um, I'm a- I actually like talking to people. So find me on social media. Let's have a chat. All right. I will see you next episode. Okay. Bye.